0: My name is June, and I'm 40. I'm from a village called Lone Head, which is just outside Edinburgh. And I didn't move very far, I just moved into Edinburgh. And I've lived in Edinburgh for uh, 16 years now. Food for Thought, Episode 6. June Savage is Scottish and was born and grew up in the outskirts of Edinburgh. In this episode, she talks to us about gala days, family recipes and traditional foods surrounding Scottish celebrations. Well, I'm, I'm Scottish. My parents were both Scottish. I had a Welsh grandmother, an English grandfather and on the other side Scottish grandparents. And further back, I actually had a great 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 Jamaican granddad who came from Jamaica and um, was brought to Scotland by the local landowner to um to be given an education and to to learn some skills and was supposed to go back to Jamaica, but he met and married a white woman, so that was the end of that and um, so there's lots of kind of little intertwining kind of things and so we have some Irish ancestry. Um, in our family as well. So we've kind of all these little things that kind of contribute. As I said, I grew, up, I grew up in a small, what was a mining village. And then after the coal mines shut, there were several industrial estates and it became a kind of factory town and because of house building and things, it's virtually almost part of Edinburgh. It's beside, it's beside Street and beside IKEA. So it's, it's just on the borderline of Edinburgh. So it's really expanded a lot. But when I was growing up as a child, it was quite a small village. Most people knew one another. A lot of people had been there for several generations. My family were considered relative newcomers. They had come, my parents had come from Ayrshire. Um so we were incomers, and um, yeah. Um, in Lonehead, they have an annual Children's Day that they've held every year um, since nineteen o four, and which they they have a school queen um who the child is chosen from primary seven and um I was in this as a maid of honour when I was that age and a couple of years ago my son was, was in this as a gentleman in waiting and it's a big celebration and one of the food elements of that is that um the children get their Galladay bag which always had a, a like a, a sticky bun and a bit of fruit and And a packet of crisps and a juice and a 20p and a biscuit, you know, and it was always a big kind of celebration. And the original idea behind it was the mine workers working very hard all year, wanting to have something, a celebration for the children and, you know, a treat. So there was like sports day and and this Galladay bag after a parade was the kind of culmination. So that was always everyone looked forward to it all year. Certainly when I was a child in the 80s, um, we used to get, as I said, a sticky bun and a biscuit, a 20p and, and a little um, carton of juice, and now I think they're trying to be slightly more healthy, there's fruit in there and there's um there's no money <laughs> and there's yeah, there's still I think a biscuit involved. <laughs> But yeah, I I think it's evolved over time. It used to be the local baker that made up all these hundreds and hundreds, because every child in the village that was in school, and there's three schools in the village, every child from nursery to primary seven got one of these snack bags on the Gallaudet. Certainly when I was a child it was a highlight, and I think people in generations prior to me because um, I've read a lot about the history of, of this festival I'm very interested in it um, I think it was quite a highlight for a lot of people especially in earlier years when the, things weren't so plentiful and you know these things really were considered a treat I think the first time I ever had pizza was when I went to a friend's house in high school. I think I was about 13 before I'd ever had pizza in my life. And if you were to tell a child today this, they would just look at you as though you were mad. Um, and, And I came back from my friend's house. And I mean, it wasn't even anything special. It was probably like a frozen pizza out of a convenience shop. But I was blown away by this. I was like, oh, wow, this is such a cool concept. This thing, and it tastes nice, and it's got cheese on it, and oh, yum, yum. And it smells so good, and you can put different toppings on. (laughs) How exciting. And I remember going home and absolutely raving about this pizza I'd had at my friend's house, and my mum being quite interested in it, and going, oh, that sounds good, we could try that. And then my dad just being horrified at the whole concept. Pizza? What's that kind of nonsense? that's not a scottish thing i'm not eating that rubbish so um i think he did eventually kind of come round to a bit of pizza about um but even pasta pizza and pasta were certainly probably more things that occurred in my teenage years i think the only pasta i remember having as a child was like macaroni cheese and but lasagna and ravioli and tagliatelle and all these things that that came much later and my mum got a bit more adventurous and wanted to try things, and my dad got a bit frustrated because he just wanted his meat and his two veg. <laughs> well, my mum, my mum was a beautiful baker and, and quite a good cook, and certainly my my gran, my my dad's mum, my Scottish granny, she she was a beautiful baker as well, and my grandma's a very quiet person, but in her kind of local community. Um, She was involved in the bowling club and the women's rural and inevitably these things always had food attached to them and she was always the one who was behind the scenes baking, baking, baking and having copious tins of this, that and the next thing Uh, but it was always gorgeous and delicious and gooey and exciting and really, it just, it was great because I think it drew everybody together to, to eat and share food at any kind of event. Mm-hmm. Food is about family. Um we used to visit my gran in Ayrshire um every couple of weeks we would drive through and by the time we got there it would be kind of lunchtime. And, again, this used to frustrate my mum to no end. I would eat my grand soup, I would devour it, I would, like, inhale it because it was so good. And I'd sit down and I, and we would have, you know, potatoes, we'd have um, ham out of a tin and some vegetables. <laughs> and I would scoff the lot and there was always some sort of delicious sort of, you know, trifle or jelly or, you know, home baking on the go. And... Um, I think my mum was always like, oh, you'll go to your gran's, you'll eat everything, you know, and you won't eat a thing at home, you're such a pick. But I think some of it was just... I've just... My gran put such love into what she made and baked and you almost felt when you were eating it, you were, it, it was part of her way of showing how she felt about you. She wasn't... She, she was a very quiet, unassuming person and... She didn't go about shouting about how she felt or or things like that. But I'd say that's how she communicated her love, really. Um, And and I think that's quite nice. New Year is, is Hogmanay. It's a big, big celebration. And I think possibly New Year is actually a bigger deal than Christmas in some ways Um, to the Scots. I don't know. Why? It just is. (laughs) We always had um, clouty dumpling and black bun. Very rich, rich fruit, kind of fruitcake type thing with a kind of almost like a crust round it. Um it's a quite an acquired taste. <laughs> um and my I remember my gran making like ginger wine, um which was gorgeous and sort of yeah, New Year was, was a kind of focus of, of kind of those very traditional Scottish foodstuffs, shortbread and drop scones and all of these things that were all always homemade and then shared. With visitors and people coming in, and 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 it was always a big focus. And Clutie Dumpling was—I—I—I'm am 40 now. I was forty on my birthday last August, and um I my friend asked if she could contribute to my birthday in any way, and I said, "Could you make me a dumpling, please?" <laughs> and she did. So um, it was just amazing. <laughs> I think somewhere in the back of my mind it's some, some of it is celebratory and particularly clooty dumpling like a clut is a cloth and the how you make it, you make your mixture and then you pour it into the cloth, you kind of have the cloth kind of like so, you pour it in you tie it with a string and then you put it in a pan of boiling water and you boil the life out of it <laughs> and then for several hours, and then it forms almost a skin, a bit like the skin you would get on custard, but thicker, but not hard. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. uh, and also inside the dumpling, we used to have. Um, my mum has a little tub that had sixpences in it and stuff, and they would they would have them like wrapped in greaseproof paper and thrown in for good luck. And if you got one, you had to be careful you didn't, uh, you know, break a tooth. Um, but that that was always it was supposed to be sort of good luck um, if you if you discovered one of these. I think things like the clouty dumpling. I want that to go on forever. <laughs> Um, I've made I've made one several times with my son for birthdays and Hogmanay and sort of special events. And he's been involved in the mixing and the preparing of it. And he's seen the whole, it goes in the pan and then you go away for several hours <laughs> while it's cooking. Um, so that's been good. But I think the other thing that I'd love to see continued, my mum used to make her own marmalade. My gran used to make her own jam, used to go out brambling, pick out, you know, um, hedgerow fruits and make jam and I think all these things they're in the danger of being lost because people just don't know how to do them anymore and um, I, I think I was probably born in the wrong time because all these things fascinate me and I want to know how to do them and I would love to be able to kind of continue these things on but I think I was lucky in a sense I was a girl and my mum shared a lot of baking with me. I was always with her when she was baking and I always got to help and and you know later on she was quite supportive of my kind of teenage cooking efforts. But my son is is quite he enjoys making food, he loves making a smoothie <laughs> and he he makes a mean white sauce and you know it, it's great to sort of see these different kind of things. So I say Clutie dumpling definitely continue on. Absolutely. It's, it's a given. But I hope that my grand's kind of recipes and my great-grandma's recipes, you know, eventually will go from me, hopefully, to my son and I hope that he will then, you know, keep some of these things going on in the future. Um, My mum's um, grandma, so my... Great grandma, um, she had a recipe book that she had from her set of recipes she had from her mother, so she wrote them down for my mum and my mum still has them in a book, um, and the book is kind of tattered and falling apart. Um, but my mum, as her sort of mission, my mum is in her mid seventies now, is to kind of type some of these out and. You know, so that we've got them. You know, we'll still have the book, but so that we—they're not lost. And it's so nice to have that heritage and um, something that's passed down. Food for thought: A life in four courses is delivered by Makeup and funded by the Heritage Lottery Fund. This episode was produced by Emma-Jane Harrington and Kieran Earls. This interview was carried out by and transcribed by Emma Hennessy. Special thanks to June for sharing her stories with us. To learn more about our work, visit mecop.org.uk.